Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of panic disorder from the psychiatry section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 25-year-old woman with no significant past medical history presents to the physician with concern about having recurrent panic attacks in the past two months. She describes that during an episode, she becomes overcome with a sense of doom within minutes and her breath becomes quick and shallow. She says she feels her heart racing, her palms getting sweaty, and feelings of lightheadedness. The attacks occur once or twice a week and have no identifiable trigger. Between episodes, she admits to a strong fear of another attack occurring, and she is considering taking time off from work because she is worried that she may have an episode during a meeting with her boss. This is a case of panic disorder. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with a brief introduction about panic disorder. In terms of an overview, Panic disorder is characterized by recurrent panic attacks associated with greater than one month of subsequent persistent worry about having another panic attack or behavioral changes related to the attack. With respect to the epidemiology and prevalence, between 2 to 6% of adults in the U.S. are affected. With respect to the demographics, women are 2 to 3 times more likely to have panic disorder. It most commonly develops between 18 to 45 years of age. With respect to risk factors, asthma is linked to a 4.5 times increase in risk of developing panic disorder. With respect to the pathophysiology, panic disorder is a psychiatric disorder that may be caused by neurochemical dysfunction. Note that symptoms arise from sympathetic overdrive. With respect to genetics, a study of panic disorder in first-degree relatives revealed heredity of approximately 43%. With respect to associated conditions, the main associated conditions of panic disorder are major depression, schizophrenia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, phobias, and cluster C personality disorders. Relative to the prognosis, long-term prognosis is good with approximately 65% of patients achieving remission within six months. Negative prognostic variables include low socioeconomic status, severe illness at the time of initial assessment, and high interpersonal sensitivity. Let's now discuss the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of panic disorder. In terms of symptoms and criteria, You would need four or more panic attacks in a four-month period or one or more panic attacks followed by at least one month of fear of another panic attack. Panic attack symptoms may include intense fear of dying and discomfort, sympathetic overdrive such as sweating, palpitations, abdominal distress and nausea, and hyperventilation, along with paresthesias, lightheadedness, chest pain, chills, choking, disconnectedness or loss of reality, and shaking. Panic attack symptoms have no precipitating stimulus and often peak within 10 minutes and last for between 20 to 30 minutes from onset. Panic attacks may be triggered by injury, illness, interpersonal conflict or loss, cannabis use, or stimulants such as caffeine or decongestants. In terms of physical exam findings, the main findings would be anxious mood and nonspecific signs of increased sympathetic state, such as hypertension, tachycardia, mild tachypnea, 
mild tremors, and cool and clammy skin. Let's now discuss diagnostic studies used to diagnose panic disorder. Studies include ECG, TSH, T3, and T4, and urine toxicology screen. ECG is used to rule out ischemia, infarction, or pericarditis in patients with chest pain. TSH, T3, and T4 is used to rule out hyperthyroidism. And finally, urine toxicology screen is used to screen for amphetamines, cannabis, cocaine, and phencyclidine in patients suspected of intoxication from substance abuse. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the three main differentials to consider here would be acute coronary syndrome, asthma, and hyperthyroidism. The key distinguishing factor for acute coronary syndrome is ECG changes such as ST elevations, Q waves, and T wave inversions. The key distinguishing factor for asthma is wheezing on physical examination. And the key distinguishing factor for hyperthyroidism is increased levels of thyroid hormones. Let's now discuss the treatment, including lifestyle changes and medical therapy for panic disorder. Lifestyle changes involves the use of psychotherapy, particularly cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. This is the treatment of choice. You would consider this for all patients. In terms of medical therapy, the two main medications used to treat panic disorder are benzodiazepines and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Benzodiazepines include alprazolam or clonazepam. Indications of benzodiazepines would be providing a few doses for emergency or for urgent or as-needed use as this may increase patient confidence. You would avoid benzodiazepines in patients with known history of substance use disorder or alcoholism. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors include escitalopram or sertraline. These are indicated for long-term pharmacological management. In terms of complications of panic disorder, noncompliance or adverse medication effects and agoraphobia are the two main complications. Noncompliance or adverse medication effects is increased by fourfold in patients with panic disorder. Therefore, treatment expectations and concerns should be discussed with the patient. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 22-year-old man presents to the emergency department for chest pain. He says that the chest pain began a few hours prior to presentation and is associated with nausea, abdominal discomfort, and sweating. He has experienced similar symptoms multiple times in the past, which brings him great concern because he believes he may be having a heart attack. This concern has persisted for two months. This has caused him to avoid taking long train rides or driving on divided highways. Approximately seven months ago, his parents divorced. Medical history is significant for obesity. He denies any medications or illicit drug use. Physical examination is unremarkable. An electrocardiogram demonstrates sinus tachycardia with a pulse of 110 per minute. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? 1. Adjustment disorder. 2. Illness anxiety disorder. 3. Panic disorder. 4. Somatic symptom disorder. Or 5. Specific phobia.
And the correct answer choice is answer choice three, panic disorder. This patient's symptoms of current and recurrent panic attacks marked by chest pain, nausea, abdominal discomfort, and sweating, more than one month of concern of having a future attack, and maladaptive behavior such as avoidance is strongly suggestive of a panic disorder. Remember, panic attacks are abrupt periods of intense fear that last several minutes to an hour. Symptoms include chest pain, palpitations, a choking sensation, paresthesias, depersonalization, fear of losing control, lightheadedness, and nausea. When patients experience recurrent panic attacks, some of which are unprovoked, they are said to have a panic disorder. Given how frightening these panic attacks are, patients with panic disorder begin to worry about future attacks for at least one month or develop maladaptive changes in behavior to avoid a panic attack. These are known as avoidance behaviors. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice one, adjustment disorder, describes an individual with symptoms of anxiety or depression within three months of an identifiable stressor, such as illness. Answer choice two, illness anxiety disorder, describes an individual who has excessive worry about having a serious medical condition or having an undiagnosed disease. For example, patients may think they have cancer or HIV. Although this patient is concerned about having a heart attack, patients with illness anxiety disorder have unfounded fears of having an illness or condition rather than having actual physical symptoms. Answer choice four, somatic symptom disorder describes an individual who has physical symptoms, for example pain, that cannot be explained by a physical or mental disorder. These patients develop persistent thoughts about their symptoms which can cause psychosocial impairment. And finally, answer choice five, specific phobia, describes an individual with clinically significant fears of a situation or a particular object. This fear results in avoidance behaviors. For example, these patients may have a specific phobia towards things such as animals, situations such as airplanes and elevators, heights, and blood injection injury. In summary, patients with panic disorder have recurrent panic attacks which appear unexpectedly and patients have one or more months of concern of future attacks or behavioral changes, known as avoidance. Next question. A 29-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician because she has been experiencing episodes of intense fear. Specifically, she says that roughly once per week, she will feel an intense fear of dying accompanied by chest pain, lightheadedness, sweating, and palpitations. In addition, she will feel as if she is choking, which leads her to hyperventilate. She cannot recall any trigger for these episodes and is afraid that they will occur while she is driving or working. In order to avoid this possibility, she has been getting rides from a friend and has been avoiding interactions with her co-workers. These changes have not stopped the episodes, so she came in for evaluation. This patient's disorder is most likely genetically associated with a personality disorder with which of the following features? 1. Criminality and disregard for rights of others. 2. Eccentric appearance and magical thinking. 3. Grandiosity, entitlement, and need for admiration. 4. Social withdrawal and limited emotional expression. Or 5. Submissive, clingy, and low self-confidence.
And the correct answer choice is answer choice five, submissive, clingy, and low self-confidence. This patient with recurrent panic attacks most likely has panic disorder, which is genetically associated with cluster C personality disorders. One of these is dependent personality disorder, which is characterized by submissive, clingy patients with low self-confidence. Remember, panic disorder is characterized by having recurrent panic attacks that inspire a persistent fear of recurrent attacks and changes in behavior to avoid further attacks. Panic attacks have no clear stimulus and involve symptoms such as intense fear of dying and discomfort, paresthesias, lightheadedness, chest pain, chills, disconnectedness, and shaking. In addition, sympathetic overdrive occurs leading to sweating, palpitations, abdominal distress, and hyperventilation. These symptoms usually peak within 10 minutes and may occur at any time. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice one, criminality and disregard for rights of others are characteristic of antisocial personality disorder, which is associated with mood disorders and substance abuse rather than anxiety disorders. Answer choice two, eccentric appearance and magical thinking are characteristic of schizotypal personality disorder, which is associated with schizophrenia rather than anxiety disorders. Answer choice three, grandiosity, entitlement, and need for admiration are characteristic of narcissistic personality disorder, which is associated with mood disorders and substance abuse rather than anxiety disorders. And finally, answer choice four, social withdrawal and limited emotional expression are characteristic of schizoid personality disorder, which is associated with schizophrenia rather than anxiety disorders. In summary, panic disorder is genetically associated with cluster C personality disorders. And that's all for this review about panic disorder. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.